Hi guys, welcome to today's episode of Asula, and today we have a special guest, Anning Sling. Hello, welcome to the series. Okay, so our audience doesn't really know you. You've never been on our channel before, mm-hmm. uh, so maybe you can introduce yourself to everyone uh, first. So I'm Ling and I'm 29 years old this year. Eh, no, I'm 30 years old this year. Okay. 30 years old this year and I'm the co-founder of Project Green Ribbon. Okay, so maybe you could tell us a bit about uh, Project Green Ribbon first. It's actually a non-profit organisation mm. that we started because of um, the experiences that we went through when we struggled with our mental health journey. But there's a lot of misconception nowadays that mental health is actually a mental illness. But it's mm. not. Okay. So mental health basically means if you have a brain, you have mental wellness. Yeah. Just like if we have a body means we have physical fitness or f- physical health, right? And um, we started Green Ribbon because of our own journey and our own experiences through the through the many, many years that we've been suffering from, both my husband and I. Okay. Yeah, so we're here to actually provide support and to fill up gaps, you know, in that's in the community. So you mentioned like um, you started this because of your experiences mm-hmm. uh, growing up. So I guess that's what today's video is going to be about, the, like your life story kind of and how it has led you to doing mm-hmm. what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the audience, I think uh, y'all might, it might be a lot to take in because when I talked to her previously, I was like, oh my god, how can so much happen to like one human being? It was like a roller coaster of a story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess the TLDR to before we jump into like mm-hmm. the details, right, is that you know, uh, you struggled a lot with like family growing up mm-hmm. um, and also like you mentioned mental health and mm-hmm. how um, your decisions in life kind of like took a toll on like your mental health and like how, um, the, I mean I wouldn't say bad decisions but decisions that you made because you had no other choice. I think it's got to right. do with, you know, sometimes when we talk about mental health, they are mm. all interlinked because it causes intergenerational trauma. Oh yes, yes, So, yes, you know, yes. we don't realise that the things that we say or that the things that are happening to us, even as parents or as a child, the, the series of events can actually become um, something positive or negative. Yeah. Manifests yeah. into, into something that is positive or not and into the person's belief system, into the person's way of um, expressing themselves and decision making and, you know, um, the choices in your lives. Yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. So, uh, speaking of that, maybe we can jump right into like the context of this mm-hmm. story and like maybe talk about how uh, that series of events was for you growing up, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, let's talk about how it started. So, uh, growing up, you stayed with your family, mm-hmm. so let's call them the Lees, right? Mm-hmm. And all this while, things were going fine, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. then uh, at age nine, so what Ling told me is that at age nine, there was a turn of events that required her to move to her great-grandmother's place. Mm-hmm. And then after that, there's a lot of things that happened which led on a, like a downward kind mm. of spiral, okay? Mm. So maybe you can run us through why you, you had to move over to your grandmother's place and like what was that whole situation at home? I remember I was standing in the kitchen one day and I was just fussing. So I was really stamping my feet and saying, I want to go and see Mama. Mm. I want to go and see Mama. And then... Um, so Mama then is your great-grandmother. Mama is my great-grandmother. Right, okay. And the next image that I remember is, one day I was back with Mama. Okay. But I never meant that I wanted to go back forever. I just I was just fussing for Mama. I mean, I was only like probably four or five, I yeah. think. You know, I was four or five years old. So how much can a child at four or five actually say? Correct, correct, correct. Right. So, the, of course, the explanation today I get is I fast as a child and so I was brought back to my grandmother. It was what I wanted. And then, you know, my life changed because I think she started falling sick. Okay. But it was not so bad because um, she was some a familiar face still. Things were still well. Okay. Yeah, until I think a part where there was this auntie and uncle who I see every weekend. Okay. Um, and I never liked them from the start because it just 
felt very different. They seemed very dark. The atmosphere about them was very dark. Their house was very dark. So I was like, you know, I live in a house that's bright and airy, you know, and um, there's laughter, there are meals, we sit down and have food together and everything's very informal and very casual. I was a Sunday school girl, you know, I went to school normal, I was happy. But when I was with them, they rarely spoke to me. Okay. You know, we didn't have conversations. There were no laughters. So, you know, um, that itself really, I just didn't have that bond and that connection with them. So, um, later on, you found out some information about this this auntie and uncle, right? And Yeah. Um, well, okay, so the context is from your family, you moved to your great-grandmother's house and then now you're like visiting this auntie and uncle. Um, did you ever ask like, okay, why can't I go back to like my family? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think so at that point in time. Not okay. that I remember of at least. Okay. Because um, probably mama was still normal. Right, right. Mama was like, oh, nothing wrong, just stay with your mama, right? Yeah, and just then, yeah, I used to go to church on Sundays. Okay. And we, I didn't break off ties with the lease. Ah. I think it was still there, but it's just that I was living with mama. Got it, got it. But got it wasn't like a cut off. It got wasn't. It, got it. But okay. of course, the next series of events is like you said, um, I found out that with this background and history, I found out that this auntie and uncle were my parents. Yeah. Okay. You know, so, so but, but, but another thing is, this auntie is my biological mum. Ah. And this uncle is not my biological father. Right, right, right. Do you remember and when you found out they were your parents? I was about nine years old. We were in, we were in the doorway of actually at home with Mama. And yeah. um, I kicked a fuss. La. I cried, you know. And she actually said to me, don't kick a fuss. You know, stop stop crying. They are your parents. Oh. So okay. I was crying and I remembered keeping quiet and just stopping my tears. And that was the moment. That was it. That's it. There, was, there, there are no more conversations about it. And um, I was so young then, so yes. nothing much could have really been done. Like, you could, like you just had to accept it because, like, what, what could you do? What else could you do right, at that point? At nine years old, if anybody can tell me that they have the kind of intellect to process it, yeah. I think it's not normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if you, you, okay, it's like you're living with someone and then you're taken away, and then now, like, oh no, they, they were not your parents, these are your parents. You'll just be like, what is happening yes. like, at that point in time, right? It'll yes, be very yes, confusing. yes. Yeah. It was very confusing and extremely, extremely, um, Difficult. Yeah. Um, and that was the part where my entire life changed because um, I used to do very well in school. So I was like scoring about 80, 90s. Mm-hmm. And I was from a girls' school, a very good girls' school. And um, they changed my school. Mm-hmm. So that was also another thing. First of all, you're my parents, I found out. Yeah. And then I, you found out that, you know, your school's taken away. Yeah. Then you change your name. Yeah. So you see, parents, parents are changed. Name is changed. Um, school is changed. So they changed your name. So do you remember what's your... So yeah, my surname was a Theo before this. Oh, so they so changed from a Theo right. to a Fernandez. Oh, okay, okay. And then from a Fernandez, I'm now a Sien. Back to my maiden name, my okay. maiden surname. Right, right, right. And at that point in time, I think Mama was already very ill or has passed on. So that's it, boop, my line is gone. There's no more Lee family inside mm-hmm. there. And I'm no longer allowed to have any contact. No aunties, no uncles, no Chinese New Year. Um, no more chongsams and visitations and squeezing in cars. No more. Mm-hmm. Nothing, it's, it's all gone. It's just new life. So now you're living with them, correct? Yeah. Okay, got it. So this was when I was in Pasiris already. Okay. So life has changed and um, I had a school that was 10 minutes away. Okay. So my mom actually um, followed me to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, she actually timed the, the time since I stepped out home with me uh, yeah. to walk to school and count the minutes. Oh. So for example, if it takes like 10 minutes, right? I only have 10 minutes. If I'm supposed to reach school at 7, then I get to leave home at 7 o'clock. Okay. Uh, 10 minutes. Okay. No extra minute. Uh. Yeah. That has to be very clear. No extra minute. Okay. There's also an alarm system in my house. Okay. 
So can so you imagine lah how weird or not strange or not? Y- yes. <laughs> like, and then you don't know you don't know the password lah. You don't have the house keys, no. So if you want to go to school, you go to the door. You knock on the door. Mommy, can can you wake up? Then she will come out. Mm. Turn around. So the 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 alarm yeah. is here. You turn around lah. Then she will di 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 di. Done. Then you go. So it's like you are like in a prison. Yes. Like you, you are locked. Like you cannot leave the house. And the same thing. When I come home, I have to do the same thing. Then I have to I have to pick up the phone. I have to call her. I have to report, mommy, I'm home. Okay? Wow. Yes, I have to report. No touching the things in the fridge. No watching TV. Everything that you want to do has to be asked. Okay. You ask permission. The pup. They did explain this. All these to me. The explanation was for this was because you should not take things that are not yours. Okay. So it's it's like trying to teach me and give me a structure because um they felt that at the point in time I was not uh taught properly. I was not brought up properly. Okay. I was actually spoiled. Okay. By my mama. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. there was no foundation. Yeah, correct. And then when you there's no foundation, you try to come in to yeah. actually solve mm-hmm. the problems that you feel is best suited. It's not gonna work out. Of course, of course. Then on top of that, right? You realize that. The things that are happening does not happen to your peers. No one understood what I was trying to say. So yeah. I was again the odd one out. Yeah. With whatever that has happened, and then coming into a new school that's not even primary one, I was primary three. Mm. Out of nowhere, I'm a new student. I'm already the odd one out. Mm. And then now sharing about these things, I'm again the odd one out. Mm. So I think you know, um, with all these sequence of events, uh, in a very short span of time, everything went down for me, and um, I was no longer interested in my studies. It's like. I didn't give a shit anymore. Mm. You know, I just wanted to get out. If that happened to anyone when they're young, and for example, you move to a new place with parents, mm-hmm. and then you're given a new set of rules, a new set of things that you can and cannot do, uh, compared to last time, and you have no say. Like, you, it feels like your freedom is taken away, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, what you told me was that you ended up running away from home, mm-hmm. right? So what? Um, and it seemed like you didn't. You did wanted to run away because your home didn't feel like a home, and like everything you knew was familiar was like taken away yeah. from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite it being like a place of luxury, la, or mm. something that was like very pristine and like well, you're well to do. So, mm-hmm. what was like the tipping point that made you decide to like pack your bags and say, okay, I'm out of here? It was actually a series of events. So it started by a very, th- it's a very typical scenario if you think about okay. it. Okay. Because I ran away many times. I think more than ten times. Okay. Okay. So first time you you didn't run away. The first time was. You play with your friends. Mommy say okay. Then you were late. We need supposed to be home at five. Alamak, six o'clock already. Yeah. So never mind. Run away from home, alah. Mm. Anyway, no point also. I stay in the house. Mm. And then from there, it became the next time. The second time you run away, it became two nights. The third yeah. time, then it became an intention to run away where I pack my bags ah. anywhere but home. Right, right, right. Okay, so from staying over at your friends' places and then you know after a while, like you're not able to stay all the time, right? Mm. So what happened then when you had no place to stay? You stay in older people's houses, okay. older and older and older and older until adults. Okay. And that was when I started hanging out with adults, even though I was very young. How did you even find these people? I actually made friends on the streets. So I started hanging around with secondary school friends. And then secondary school friends met with meet with mixed around with like teenagers and I hang out. So it, I grew from Pasiris I ended up at Bukit Panjang. Because like you just met new people. Yeah, new people and then you follow. Yeah. Like in a group of friends, the question is who is the one who can always stay the longest and I'll just follow that person. Because I don't have a choice, I don't want to be alone. The built up of the fear was actually very bad because until today I still experience it. So like about probably when it's about five o'clock, I start to feel it. Seven, five to seven, especially when it's seven-ish, eight. I start panicking because many 
for many times, you know, in the groups that I've hanged out with, people say like in HDB blogs, I go upstairs, take something and nobody came back down. So I was left on in the lurch and, and many times of the experiences that happened, it ended up me feeling very um I was alone, right? So that fear built up like, oh I'm gonna am I gonna get pangse mm. again, you know, um and uh until today I still experience it and um I have to always let myself know that, you know, I am no longer that child. I am not in that position anymore and um try to bring myself to the present because mm. the little girl comes out. Mm. During this entire process also I was cutting my wrist a lot. So I okay. used to slit my wrist a lot, you know, I would take pills, I would try to commit suicide. Okay. Um, I was just um, very, very... You, you you were just not interested. Okay, like you you just felt like at that point in time you didn't really want to live anymore? Yeah, I didn't want to live anymore. I, did, I was very tired of living. Your mom thought this thing, did she try to find you doing this? I would think she did. I mean, which mom wouldn't have, right? Yeah. But if the child does not want to be found, then I don't think there's much that can be done. Mm. Mm. But she made a lot of police report. Okay. So I went to Bedok Police Station, I went to Pasiris Police Station, <laughs> I went to the lockups, and of course, in between all that, also, I did a lot of um, mistakes. Mm. Um, Still, okay. yeah, I went window shopping. So window oh. shopping from people's HDB blocks. I didn't have clothes. So oh, you run away from okay. you need to survive, you need clothes. So you start looking at people's shoe cabinets with their shoes. Um is there something you need you just needed to survive. Okay. Cup noodles, you know, you stole um you steal things to eat. Um, but that's generally what I did and how I lived. Because no money, mm. you couldn't work. Back then I think to work at Starbucks you had to be fifteen or sixteen. So um Fast forward a few years and like you're not you're kind of living on the streets and like mm. trying to survive and everything. Um, there was a there was a big part of your life that changed because mm. uh, you mentioned to me that at fifteen years old mm-hmm. uh, you got pregnant, mm-hmm. right? So that is definitely one life changing thing. First of all, at such a young age, mm-hmm. and like how did that even happen? Um, so I ended up meeting mixing with a group of. Adult. Okay. And I had a boyfriend at the point in time, and we lived in Geelang. So that was a very dark period of my life. And um, I got pregnant because I was with him. Okay. And then um, we had to abort the baby. So the first child, I, I actually had two kids. Okay. So the first child had to be ad- aborted, and I think I was younger than 15. Then the second child was with another guy. When I when I escaped or I managed to finally escape Geelang, that was the one that was I was fifteen. Mm. Okay, so at yeah. at, at Geelang during that period, because you mixed with a bunch of people, you ended up there. What were you doing there? I was living in different hotels because of the different rates, mm. and then there were nights when we didn't have money, and I had to actually stand to be a prostitute, and it was very difficult. Yeah, so the good thing is every single time when I went into the room. Um, I would actually say, I would tell the person to go in shower mm. and I'll open up the wallet and run out. It was a very dark period, something that I am still learning to process, something that I'm still learning to deal with because of course there are a lot of after effects and trauma that happens because of that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I was very sick of that life and I and I just felt that, you know, I needed help. I needed to be away now, right, from yeah. this person. And I met another person. So yeah. this guy called M. Right. Um, 
and I went out with M, and M was the one who rescued me, gave me a house, you know, and I was away from Gilang then. Ah, okay. Yeah, and he went with me for the abortion as well, no? So, wow, how, how sweet, right? It feels like, um... Like he's oh, a like, saviour, in Yes, yes, because okay. he gave me a house, he gave me food, you know, um, he, he let me stay with his sister. Then, I realised that actually, he's not that saviour as I thought he was. Right. Yeah, because there was no one home, and um, I was taking a bath when he came into the toilet. His M is much older than me. About 31, About 32, 32, 33. When you were like 15, right? Yes, okay. 32, 33. He's almost double my age, yes. Right. More than double my age. And um, I he came into the toilet and of course I was very, very um, uncertain. But at that point in time, I didn't know how to respond. How would you react? Especially when it's the person who gave you a place to stay mm-hmm. or food to eat. So at that exact moment, I was very, very uncomfortable. But I just chose to brush it aside. Mm. Okay, so... After the incident in the toilet and everything, um, that was like something that you remembered, right? How did you, how did your relationship with M progress and how do you actually end up finding out that you were pregnant with his child? It was actually because of that incident, then I think, in the toilet, then I think that we actually became like girlfriend and boyfriend. Okay. First of all, I would like to say that for someone who's twice your age at that point in time, that's literally <laughs> illegal. <laughs> so, internet, please, uh, that is not allowed. And it's just like, oh my god, when you say that, I was just like, Jesus. Yeah, but um, at that point time, you wouldn't know better, right? Yeah. I didn't, you know, okay. I didn't. And I and in fact, my hope was to actually get married and, you know, um, find someone to settle down. So I went to learn how to cook. I went to learn oh, how to okay. iron clothes. You know, I did everything in my best capacity. I felt that I loved him so much. But I think it was because he so-called saved me. Right. So it was like my only hope. Right. That that safe became like my sense of hope. Wow, oh, I can continue living. Like, finally, maybe there's time for change. But it was in the wrong way. Yeah. And then, um, shortly after, you know, we got engaged, you know. And then I found out I was pregnant um, sometime after. Uh, I was really feeling a bit un- un- uncertain okay. already. Yeah. But it was not like straight away I'm pregnant. Yeah. And uh, my period was not regular, probably yeah. because of my age as well. Yeah. And then one day I went home and I found him in the room with the girl. So of course I took out my ring and I was like, why do you do this to me? Mm. Like, you know, who is she? Mm. Then of course I started hurling vulgarities because it was corridor unit and I was very upset. And the girl came out and said to me, oh my god, I didn't know this, that you were possibly pregnant, you know, I wouldn't have done this. You really have a baby? She was like, exactly like this, oh. outside the corridor of the HDB flat. Okay. And because I was really so sad, right? So I was like thinking that, you know, yeah, probably she didn't know anything. But that was the very day that he never come back anymore. He comes oh. back like every two to three days to give me a packet of cigarettes and a $10 note. Oh, what the... F- okay. Yeah, so I was alone. So that was like really, really down, so downward spiral right. already for me. Couldn't sleep, crying, sobbing, you know, calling everybody that I can think of. But nobody was really there to hear me out or be there with me through that process. And of course, on the day when I found out, I mean, there was a checkup, so everyone told me about this clinic, at, um, this clinic, you know, where they actually have all these kind of processes. And um, I was alone. I did inform him, but he didn't turn up. I was lying down, I was lying down. Yeah, I asked, you know, um, how can I abort the baby? Yes, you can, but it will take, you will have to deliver the baby to abort it. Then I was really like, because it's not the same thing like the previous time I did, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. totally different thing already. Yeah. And I was much older. Yeah. And then I asked them, how much time do I have? Yeah. Two weeks yeah. before six months. And then they said to me, I asked how much will it cost? About $2,000. For a 15 years old, yeah. $2,000 is crazy. Yeah. So how did you end up uh, giving birth to the child? And like, what happened then? 
Um, the entire the entire period when I was pregnant, I was on I I took drugs. I wanted to kill the baby very badly, but of course nothing happened, and I went to the hospital on my own. So when I went in there, you know, my mom signed up certain things, but I was still. What happened? Your mom was there. Um, she knew about it. Ah, okay, okay, okay. So you told she her about, about it, lah. Yeah, we didn't have conversations. Uh, I would say more of like post-it, post-it notes. Okay. One sentence, one word. But I was already preparing to die, so I was hoping to die, and I actually um messaged everyone and said, no, I'm so sorry if I did anything wrong, you know, but I hope that I will go. Mm. Um, and this baby will just be delivered and that's it lah. You know, I was like, throughout the entire time, right, especially in the rental flat that I was staying in, the room that I was staying in, I was not supposed to keep the baby. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna give her away, you know, yeah, I'm not gonna, I was so confident to all the social workers. And the moment when I actually, when she came out, right, of me and I carried her in my arms, yeah. for the very first time, I cannot describe that like over, you know, it's like a fountain. Like suddenly got a lot of love and suddenly a lot of emotions. Just like literally in this way, like coming into your body to the child. I just cannot it, describe that feeling. The best part or the most amazing part, you know, I always say, um, I was blessed that the baby was safe, mm. the baby was very healthy, and the baby is doing very well today. Mm. She's not with me at this point in time, but there were we're, we're still in touch. A lot of events happened in between as well. Right, which is when you mentioned that uh, your mom wanted to give your baby up for adoption yeah. and all that. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to delve into it, mm-hmm. but it's just for the context that, that your child's not with you at this point in time. La. Yeah, she's not with me. I mean, she knows who I am. Okay. Uh, we've spoken to each other. Uh, it's not really an awkward situation yeah. in a sense. Um, so she was actually meant to be adopted. Okay. So my aunt actually is taking care of her today yeah. um, and has guardianship over her. Of course, not everything has been flowery this entire period and journey. Um, but she's well, she's in school, you know, and um, right now I think I made the decision that if she's doing well, she's yeah. safe, yeah. then I would prefer to leave her. Okay, so after going through all that, um, I would say that you probably there was probably a turning point where you kind of got yourself out of that more like dilemma with like M and all that uh, drama uh, to be more independent and so like who you are and a lot of it you mentioned here was actually due to your current husband like I think your current husband or? actually to give a bit of context you know sure. from there uh, moving on from the abortion I mean from the baby yes I actually um, had some more things that happened sequence of events yeah. that happened but you know Cutting that short, um, yeah. because that is again another dark chapter. The very last event that happened was actually I was I really had enough of the life that I was. I was engaged to another person, and then I moved off. I was trying to escape again, and I was living inside um, a fish shop. Mm. You know where I almost went back into my last life mm. because I wanted to take drugs again because I had to be sexual. Yeah, so you know with that I met. Of course, I met someone in my life again that I that I got back in contact with and yeah. this person is somebody who was actually in my life when I was 15 and his name is E yeah we started talking because I had no one else to talk to and I didn't want to explain my story to anybody else mm. then this very one day when I decided to leave the fish shop I was in fear yeah I was on my phone I called E and I asked him that night can I come over to your place and I, I had to find a way to escape because he's very abusive and he's very scary mm-hmm. he push out the whole cupboard would drop you know? So I took the plastic bag and I ran all the way out of Upper Changi Road uh, from the back pretending to throw rubbish on the phone with E. Okay. With one last $50, I had to take a taxi from Upper Changi Road to Bukit Panjang. Explain to me how scary that would have felt for me mm-hmm. at 8pm. Mm-hmm. Because if he punks me, right, 
you gone my fifty dollars left gone. You know, yeah. I'm only left with like what twenty dollars. Mm. But he stayed with me on the line all the way, and um, he appeared lah really under the block. And then the next day, um, he told me, "Don't go." Mm. And that's the part when you know I've not heard such a soft person, genuine word of someone for a very, very, very long time. You know, someone that genuinely says, "Just don't go." Mm. With that being said, of course today he is my husband who has gone through his fair share of um, struggles. Yeah, and and he's he's the co-founder of Green Ribbon as well. Yeah, and um, we figure our way. Like just, still working your way to yeah, it, right? Don't we 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 will always be weren't we? Yeah, right. since that time. I mean, and how long ago was this actually? Since since you've been married? Yeah, I got married at twenty one. Okay, so it's been like eight years. You've been married for a really long time, and that's like amazing, lah. They say, you know what I mean? It's really, you know, I I used to wonder, you know, is there a such thing as a right person of who we marry? Right. And um, the day before my marriage, um, someone told me this, Ling, you will never find the right person. Mm. There's no such thing. Pick and choose. The sacrifices you want to make, yeah. you choose what is something you can tolerate or not. Correct. But if you're saying I don't have anything at all, right? Uh, you're dreaming, lah. There's no such thing. Ah, that's like Barbie and Ken, really. Yeah, it's not possible. Yeah, it's not possible. It's an illusion. And yeah. it's always about making it work Mm-mm-mm-mm. and keeping to that commitment. Right, right, right. Yeah. Mm. That's okay. the hard part, lah. And um, speaking of like of of that and also like Project Greenburn and stuff and how you you did mention briefly at the start. How this started up, and you co-founded it with uh, your husband mm. as well to help people. Uh, maybe you want to talk a little bit about more about the initiatives that you guys have. I think uh, many of the time in Green Ribbon, the work that we do is we realize that um, there's a lot of professionals, right? But once I walk out of the room, mm. I am alone. It's me against the world, right? Even though your friends and family, they may not actually be the best people to provide that support because they don't even know how to support themselves, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And of course, with that being said, we curated a program mm. that's called a mental health community responder. Mm-hmm. It's curated by persons in recovery together with professionals. That's why it's so unique. I love mm-hmm. it so much, mm-hmm. and um, it actually helps not to not to be an intervention program. But more of actually equipping people to know how to respond. If really you see your friend, you know, who are cutting herself or taking pills, for for example, what should you do in that moment? Right, right, right. Do you go and say, uh, please follow me to the A and E? I think uh, I'll call the police or and trigger the person further, mm. or not. And um, of course, the last one is the unheard. Okay. Where we hope to give a voice to the un to the people, lah. Of course, mm. regardless of who you are, this was something I went through. If I'm not co-founder of Project Green Ribbon today, would anybody want to hear my story? Does that mean that other people in society, who every of who obviously everyone has a story, is not validated? Mm-mm-mm. You see, does that mean that they are their story is invalid? Yeah. So we came up with a platform for sharing. We comes in forms of talking. As yeah. a speaker, comes in forms of writing, where we allow you to actually express your own um, articles. Of course, um, nothing political. There are guidelines in there. Of course, yeah. please. And then as um, creative expressions such as photography, and it's also like kind of like giving people a platform where they can share their stories without being like judged or yes, you can choose to be anonymous yeah. or you can choose to have everything credited back mm. to you so that one day you can say I was actually a writer for da 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 and this is what mm-hmm. I've done. Yeah. So it gives you a sense of ownership, which I feel is so important. Mm. And then um, the last one is of course um, a support group. Just now I mentioned yeah. earlier, focused on responders. Okay, got it. Teachers, social workers. Yeah. Um, Counselors, volunteers, equipping ah, them all with yeah. strength. Yeah. 
giving them that support is something practical we can do yeah. in order for them to continue back into their, their work, work to rejuvenate right. that. Yes. Mm. I think yes. that's great. I think that I think that it's something that uh yeah like you mentioned people always care about the people who are uh persons in recovery yes persons in recovery but not the people who are behind the scenes actually working to help these people in recovery yes. and how you guys can elevate them as well yeah. and I think um to wrap up this video maybe we can talk a bit about your own personal mental health journey and that you've come a long way since mm-hmm. the past and you know your recovery journey now how how far into the recovery journey have you been and you know is it ever is the recovery ever like complete you know i feel like i always ask this to people and people always say like no it's always like a it's, it's always never, an ongoing thing it's and it's never I, complete it's only yeah. completed when you're dead sorry but if you're dead, <laughs> i mean i guess yeah right because life is what is life about life is always about solving problems yeah right and as long as we can only become stronger more mm. equipped more ready you know our perceptions change so we view things differently yeah. and that is the only thing that we can do so you know is therapy i feel that therapy should be something that everybody should go through we got you know it should just become a normal thing mm. in fact other countries are doing it so i don't see why is it do we have the mindset that oh you see a therapy something wrong with you mm it shouldn't be i always say like take take time to look after your brains just like you would take time to look after your heart because every single time something happens to your brain an injury happens to your brain like these kind of accidents mm-hmm. what happens is trauma actually comes out as a manifestation of the injury yeah physically yeah yeah and that's what happens so take care of yourself because we don't want to wait till it's too late yeah right? yeah yeah. Well, with that said, I think we can end the video here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing again. Thank and, you. And um, for everyone out there, if you know, uh, it, it's a long, it is a long story, but you know, please feel free to leave in the comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you guys have your own experiences, or you know, you uh, you found the story really interesting and to share your thoughts about it, please. Uh, leave kind comments down below if you guys also want to find out more about Project Green Ribbon it'll be in our description box down below y'all may be going through something similar you think that this could be relatable this could help you uh, there are avenues available and yes. to reach out lah. just drop us a message mm. or go to our website um, at the link below and you can reach us from there mm. yeah. let us know what else you want to see on future episodes of Asula and don't forget to like, share and subscribe we'll see you guys next time bye bye